So Liam, welcome to the MVP Engineer Podcast. Um, I learned something new about you. You do ice baths. Is that yeah, right? you just did one. I love that. I just got out. I have my pants on, so I'm in business mode. Yeah. But do you do a horse, do you do a horse stance? Do you do that after your ice bath? No, I just my roommate put one on the patio, and I. Uh, I love that. So let me. Just yeah, I, I just I just kind of got into it by force. So right after you're done, you got to like warm up a little bit. So Wim Hof says do the the horse stance. So yeah. You get low like martial arts, a uh, little bit more than shoulder width, and then you push your hands out to each side, and you flex every muscle in your body, and you breathe out. So you go. Oh. <sighs> It wasn't that cold today, so I don't really need to do much. I feel great. Um, yeah. But I was a little bit depressed this morning, so uh, I'm feeling good after the workout and the ice bath. Yeah. My roommate says it helps him with that, too. Like, he said, I'll have, like, a bad day, and I'll just get in it. And just Dude, him. I cured my depression. I had uh, I had depression for, like, a decade. And uh, A decade? Yeah, no, not, like, not like all the time, but, like, oh. I was... I was uh, Yes, suicidal at times, maybe, and then uh, not anymore. So that's pretty yeah. cool. That's good. Um, so this is my little studio. And then we got – let me pull up the uh, the topics that we're talking about today. Sure. You you brought up a bunch of interesting things. I mm-hmm. love your LinkedIn content. Thank it's you. It's like I appreciate it. you're a young guy and you have um, seemingly just such a great mindset. And uh, I've always like thought similar to you. Or I think more accurately, you've thought similar to me. Um, right, you're older, so. But, um, it's amazing to me how startups <clears throat> don't have this mindset. And you go into a startup and you just like revolutionize the way they're thinking, and then they're just like, "We've had enough of the revolution," you know? Right. So, um, why don't you plug yourself? Tell me a little bit about what you're working on. And uh, just give me an overview of, you know, the way you think about software, the way you think about startups and entrepreneurship, and then we'll jump into some of these topics that we uh, kind of jumped into and we're discussing. So, Sure. So I've been doing, like, I've been doing software for, like, a pretty long time. Like, I guess I started in high school when I was, like, 13. I was, like, making my Minecraft plugins, and a friend and I had a server, and we ran, like, Minecraft plugins, and we had... Uh, Sort of like a paid model until Minecraft updated their EULA and it broke everything and we couldn't charge money for it anymore. Um, you broke Minecraft. No, we didn't break Minecraft, but uh, yeah. they updated their end-user license agreement and it, it it changed a lot of things about how you can make money on the game. So, stop that. But after that, I was like, hooked on software. So I went through uh, a couple different jobs and uh, right, right now I'm at Amazon. I could go through some past jobs, but I think... Uh, Amazon's yeah, just, cool. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at Amazon. I've been there for like a year and seven months now. When do you get your first paycheck? Four years? At Amazon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you mean? As in like your, your, vesting, your vesting schedule is such that like you get a big balloon at four. Is that right? Sort of. It's usually the vesting schedule is you get 15% at the end of year one and then another 15. So they give you like a large sum. You get 15% of that sum at the end of year one and then another 15% at the end of year two. Um, and then at the end of year three and four, you get uh, the remainder split. But it's like every four months at that point. It's like 30, what is it? <clears throat> like 32 or 32 and a half or something? Yeah, they're intentionally have backloaded heavy, but I my I actually negotiated in a way that I don't have a ton of RSUs. I have mostly just like pay and bonus, so. Hmm. So you're not you're not bullish on Jeff Bezos. Um, I don't know if I said I was bullish. I just don't really love the RSU payment model. And also, I joined in 2022, where I I didn't see a tremendous amount of upside on Amazon. And right after I joined, the stock dove from like 180 to like 120 or something. So I was like, yeah, I'm glad well, I didn't I take the RSUs. I said something similar at Google, and I said, hey, I don't want all the equity. Right. And then I said, hey, give me a bunch of cash. And they, like, gave me two offers. They gave me, like, 115000 or 125000 with, like, significantly less equity. And at Google, it's grants. I think at Amazon, it's grants as well. They're not options, right? Right. And uh, it was just so much more money 
with the grants. And I was like, Google's going up. It was 2013 at the time. I was like, Google's going up. Why not? I made over 300, you know, uh, with uh, just the grants. Yeah. And it's just like, that's what you, that's what you have to do. I was, I was an early, early engineer. Uh, do you know what the, well, I guess it doesn't really matter what your level is, but um, I've made the majority of my money in life in equity. Um, okay. But I do also understand that, well, the way I think about Amazon is Amazon doesn't like treat their employees that well. But I think, I think Jeff Bezos is just a genius because you get yeah. most of the information and most of the talent from somebody in year one. And if you pay them the least and then you crush their soul until they leave after year one, <laughs> it's like you're just getting such a good deal. Jeff Bezos is a genius. He, he's just a genius, right? Yeah, I, I, and, think, I mean, he's clearly a smart guy. He built a, one of the biggest companies in the world. Well, I mean, there's there's timing and luck, but but I mean, it's hard yeah. work and grit. Also, risk. It's risk <clears throat> tolerance. I think I think a big part of this stuff is yeah. risk tolerance. I uh, think there's that too. But <clears throat> eight billion other people miss the timing. So, of course, of course, no, he's he's a genius, <clears throat> but he doesn't have to be an IQ genius. I mean, it's possible that you're actually smarter mm -hmm. than him, right? Like it's possible. Um, so let's see. So, have you done work at startups? Tell me about your startup experience. Yeah. So. <clears throat> there's like two startups that I've like kind of worked at. The The last one I worked at was TapCheck. They did earn wage access, um, which is basically earn like every, is that, is that like a, is that like a cash advance? In yeah, but it, it's not like, it wasn't like some companies do loans. This company did not do loans. Um, it was like a literal cash advance on a visa card. And then, so, <clears throat> so they, okay. I, so the, um, you signed your paycheck over to them. And they gave you the money up front with some amount of fee involved. Yes, pretty much. It was fee as opposed to a, as opposed to as opposed to a loan where I would have to get the money and then give it back to the loaner. Eventually, yeah. Understood. Okay, so what was your role there? You were software engineer, product manager, something else. Software engineer, always a software engineer at everywhere I worked. And you're a software engineer here at Amazon. Yep. Cool. Um. So you started at startups and you went to Amazon. So I started at like a medium sized company in Cleveland where I grew up. I didn't grow up in what's, California. What's medium size? It's <clears throat> uh, like 3000 people. I guess that's, 3, medium. that's pretty big, but that's, that's pretty big. You know, a lot of, a lot of like 60,000 person companies say <laughs> they're startups and like, <laughs> no. like Google, Google's like, Hey, we're a startup. It's 2011. We're still a startup. Yeah. And it's like, and then if everybody like, doesn't know everybody, it's not a startup. And, and then these 500 person companies say like, oh, this is a startup, right? But <laughs> I don't know. Do you want do you want to do it via market cap or number of employees? Like it's really tough, right? Um, and is it attitude? Is it collegial environment? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, my, my college was a startup. There were 300 people. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody was yeah. in the business. Uh, keep your head down and, and don't, uh, don't have any sex. But um, – yeah, I don't know the the bigger the yeah. So the mid sized company, what was that one doing? They did. They had like a. I guess their flagship product was what they called enterprise content management, which basically just was. It was basically just a program that sat in your like Windows tray and would. Uh, it basically just connected a bunch of documents together. So like, if you had a bill come from a customer, it would pull up like the customer information, and it could pull up like. Uh, it did a lot of, we did a lot of medical stuff. So it could also pull like medical records or other so related documents. An aggregator with some OCR in it? Yeah. Well, the, the company was like founded in like <clears throat> the nineties. So at the time they did that, it was pretty like breakthrough. And then they wrote that to grow the company quite a bit. So that's cool. That's awesome. Um, so what makes you say that there's big tech thinking <laughs> inside of startups? Because. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't you have to start at Google or start at Amazon and then go work someplace else to, to, to make that assessment? Like, how do you know both? Uh, or, so, or, yeah, go ahead. I guess, I guess there's like a couple things. I, so I, I guess to like elaborate on that, like thought idea I had is like, I feel like big tech has this idea that <clears throat> they built for like massive scale builder from the start because I have to. So you're like at Amazon, you're at Google. Of course, you need to launch your product and millions are going to use it right off the jump. As soon as it hits pr production, you need to be ready for that thing to be running. So it kind of bled into this environment where everybody's designing systems as like 
these massive distributed systems with like a container here and a Lambda there and like containers over here. And you just end up with like this web of services that nobody even understands. Um, and, and I guess like going back to like why I, you're asking like why I was even able to make that comparison. It's like, I've done projects in the past where it was like, like we had Minecraft servers. It was running on one thing that we like, it was running on one monolithic thing. We paid, uh, like $8 a month for, and it yep. served thousands. So it like, I think the issue is, is, uh, my point is, is like when you're talking about startups, you're mentioning earlier, like 500 companies say they're startups. That's not a startup. Like a startup is a company that was like, like you're getting, you're getting off the ground, you're getting some customers and you don't need to build these like massive distributed systems that you would need to build at Amazon and Google. However, Amazon and Google, like I'm not targeting these two companies specifically, but like the big companies, huge companies, uh, portray this mindset where you should build for massive scalability from the start, which just kills startups because you don't need to make everything complicated from the start. You can just have a monolithic system that runs on one server that you pay. Like, so maybe maybe this is, maybe this is a relevant question. Um, what's your level at Amazon? L5 tech levels. Let me just kind of understand what that means. We got tech levels at FYI. Have you been to this site? Yeah, levels at FYI. Levels, sorry, yeah, levels. Uh, how do I put Amazon on here? Amazon and Google. So you're a five, <clears throat> which is a four for at Google. Um, and you got hired as a five? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So I, w- I was hired as a three. And then I was okay. promoted to I was promoted to a four at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, how about this question? Do you do you buy into the mindset that uh, the more senior the engineer gets, the worse he gets, and the more complex systems he builds and just builds out crap? Do you believe that? Um, no, I think that's. I mean, that's just not a useful blanket statement. I think. There are certain types of people who are so focused on only career growth, like getting the next promotion, that they tend to disregard um, more like pragmatic thinking, right? So do it's you, like, do you think that the do you think that the promotion criteria at Amazon are not are not uh, relevant or or aligned to business goals? No, I think they align perfectly with Amazon's business goals, right? But I don't so I don't think that's a problem with somebody climbing that ladder then you think they're you think they're not useful outside of amazon um i heard this met i i don't know i think it was like a simon sinek talk i saw a while back where he mentioned how navy seals get hired or not not navy seals get hired but how navy seals get promoted like for seal team six yeah uh and he said he like drew like a, a chart and one axis he put um performance and then on the x axis he put trust and he said performance is like i trust you with my life and trust is like i trust you with my wife so he said uh the navy seals don't like they have really high performance with low trust and those aren't the people they want to be seal team six because um you want somebody who you can trust so even somebody with like medium performance with high trust is more preferable over somebody who's a great performer that you can't trust uh, I think this isn't not this is not specific to Amazon, but many companies as they get larger, you can't reasonably manage hundreds of thousands of people, so they have to resort to just like very rudimentary one-to-one systems, and those systems always prioritize performance, and they can't possibly check the trust gauge on everybody they promote. So it creates these environments where people who maybe are less have less integrity or less trust are gunning for performance, and it's much easier to perform great when you don't have regard for others. So high performers with less regard for others get promoted faster than others who are taking others into consideration. And I think that that in general can be corrosive to any organization. Hmm. Um, I, I generally agree. I think that's- Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes sense. Uh, I, and I like the I like the the stuff from the leadership on on Simon Sinek. I like I like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I there was some politics that got played with my promotion at, at Google. There was one guy that uh, was a level four, was going for a level five. He didn't mm-hmm. get promoted, and he sabotaged <laughs> my promotion because he said, "Look at this little up and coming snot who wants to yeah. be level four and better than me." I've been here four years. I'm still a level four. I have to be a level five before this guy's a level four. And he 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 railed against me in my promotion docs. And then I missed the promotion. And then the next time he got the promotion to five, and he said, "Okay, I guess a little bill can come up around my back now." And I was right. in Mountain View, and he, and he was in Iowa, so he was not he was not privy to the to the real politics that were occurring in data center software because that's where the headquarters was in Mountain View. Um, so I don't I don't deny that that stuff happens, and I agree the trust the trust thing matters, but. I don't know. I think at least in Google is I, I feel like it was a real meritocracy. At least at least whenever <laughs> I operate in a in a in a system or in a in a people system, I operate as a meritocracy and I just assume that it's a meritocracy. Right. right? And when and then when it doesn't operate that way, I just say, Ooh, that's weird. I was not expecting that. And then I just back yeah. get back to work. And then I just get back to work. Because I I'm just I, like I try not, I try not to get too hung up on it because it's like that's that's operating the wrong way. I think long term it could it ter- it turns out to be a meritocracy long term. However, yeah. I do think people can get promoted. People with not amazing intentions and very self focused intentions can get promoted short term, and that for sure. just hurts sure. team morale. You know, everybody can point I, to the guy they don't like on the team, and I usually agree people with, agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but get back to my question of. Uh, the senior engineers that you know, let's say, let's say the sevens, yeah. do, do the sevens create systems that are too complicated? And, and how are you even able to judge that as a level four or a level five? Like, do you believe that you have the requisite intelligence and ability to, to, um, to gauge what a level seven does? Yeah, I mean, yes, because I feel like I'm, I'm, experiencing the effects of the decisions. <clears throat> yeah, but you don't but you don't but you don't quite get to experience all the effects, right? Because the level 7's boss is the level 8. And the level right. 7 has what? 10 or 15 of you. And if you don't like him, it might just be fuck off, it's too bad for you because yeah. you're just one cog in his wheel, right? Yeah. So, like, you might think he's doing a bad job, and the other nine level fours, level fives. I don't think they're he, doing a bad job, to be clear. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. Like, you have to, you have to stay in, in and be political enough because you're you're still working there. But I'm talking in generalities, right? right? And as I, I'm just because clearly there are level sevens that are doing a bad job and level sevens that are doing a good job, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking about yours, but like. I'm I'm talking about this general principle or philosophy that like senior engineers just always overcomplicate and do a bad job. And I think I think maybe the 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 philosophy that I want to come out with is say in a startup you just want a bunch of junior engineers. Like if you have zero lines of code you don't want a complex system and you have like right. one, you have like one lead architect that says like here's the microservices we're building go build this go build this and right. for me when i build startups we don't write that much code we write 5000 lines of code we integrate we integrate three four different libraries and we we buy one saas one subscription and and we integrate these libraries and we write i don't know 500 lines of pasting of uh, of uh, of uh, glue Right and uh, piping in between these these different libraries, that's what that's what software is becoming at least in the brand new product space. Right, it's just integrating libraries because so mm-hmm. much shit has been written. I don't know. Have you experienced that? Have you have you been have you been at this level where there's like so little code that needs to be written? Because it's not no code. It's right. it's uh, integrations. I guess it. I that this. I don't think this. This idea is particularly applicable at Amazon because we don't tend to use a tremendous amount of like third-party libraries that aren't like well, they're not third-party libraries. They're first-party libraries, right? Like at Google, we did the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything that we did was a library from within Google, and I hated right. it. I hated it because I knew that uh, 
these libraries would never be touched by me again in my life. As soon as I leave right. Google, I'll never touch <laughs> this library again. Yeah, right? I think that that's a thing I feel at Amazon a lot is I'm learning so much stuff that makes only makes sense at Amazon. Yeah, I felt yeah, I felt that so hard. And I was like, man, this really, this is really depressing and sucks. Like, I don't want to learn Gickle. I don't want to learn Borg. I'm never going to use these things. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, and then I had to like kind of convince myself and be like, hey, like, I'm learning how to think again. Because that's mm -hmm. what you do in college. Like, I don't remember a single thing I learned in college. I remember, I remember <laughs> the professor that saved my life. But that's mm -hmm. like the only thing I remember from college. And we, we were learning how to think. And we made some good connections. But other than that, you don't, you don't really, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. So I think we, I think we covered that. Um, let's see. Disconnecting product and engineering. What do you mean by that? I feel like in a lot of companies, well, it's like, it's how, about this? how is your, how is your squad structured at Amazon? Do you have a squad or like a, a team? What, what is the reporting structure for P for PMs and, and engineers? Um, I don't, I, I couldn't point my finger to one PM for our team. I feel so basically you don't have, you don't have a PM. Wow. We, well, we do, have... but I've never, this is going to, we have a PM on our team, but I've never directly worked with her. Okay. Um, she's working on other work? product on projects, like building... projects that I don't work on. Are you building, are you building backend infrastructure? What are you building? Uh, we just finished building, we just finished rebuilding like the profile service on Amazon music because Amazon is like going in this direction of like multiple profiles for an account. So you know how like Netflix has multiple profiles on account. Uh, I don't know Netflix. Uh, well, like Netflix, you have one account and then there's like mom, dad, sister, brother under one that. account. Yeah. So uh, oh, Amazon's going to go, Amazon's kind of doing that. So like you can have one Amazon account have your one prime thing and then mom, dad, sister, brother can get their own recommendations and they can sell more stuff on music and, and, and something else I, on, on everything. Amazon. Yeah. I kind of have the opposite problem. I have like four different Amazon accounts all for me. I feel like that's my <laughs> problem. Like everybody shares all their accounts and has like multiple people on the same account. Mm -hmm. I always have like three accounts for myself because I can't keep them fucking straight. It's crazy. That's funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, so disconnecting product. So, is this an Amazon problem or is this a software problem? Because I've always been pretty disappointed. I don't think that, I don't think a lot of these comments are directed at Amazon. I think they're I know. Yeah. Just just general software. So talk to me. What how how would you structure how would you structure the uh, a, a team to write to write a startup? You you're building a minimum viable mm -hmm. product. You have zero lines of code. Tell me how many people you want on the team. Tell me who's the product guy and tell me the reporting structure. Like, what does it look like for you? I think, so the ideal reporting structure for me on like a startup team would be like two, three engineers, one senior engineer, a product manager, uh, and a software manager. Maybe not even the software manager, maybe just the senior engineer. But the, 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 per, the product person who's talking to the people like working on the business and in the business, uh, I, I think they are, they are the filter for pushing this in this product person could also obviously in an early business, people usually do multiple rows roles. I, I wouldn't think it's unlikely that like somebody is simultaneously like the VP of engineering and the product manager. Um, uh, but I, I think the product I, I posted about this this morning because it was like fresh in my head. I think the product's job is to push engineers past what they would like the limitations they would impose. And I think engineering's job is to uh, impose limitations to make reasonable product decisions. And there has to be like that constant push. And mo most organizations end up lopsided where product is making all the decisions and engineers are forced to build shitty stuff or engineers make all the decisions and product can't get anything done because engineering is just telling them, no, 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 we can't do that. But I guess my point is, is I think a lot of organizations have this disconnect where product is up here and they're making all the decisions and they make these decisions in like a silo in a bubble. They're talking to all like the business people, they have decisions finalized and then they pass them down to the engineers and engineers are like, Oh, that's going to be really hard to build. We should actually take this angle instead. And it's way too late because products already made the decisions. They've got this all vetted out. I love this. I, lo I love your attitude <clears throat> on this. You know, this is why, the, this is why one of the companies I worked for failed, at least in my estimation, um, product doesn't come to the engineering meetings 
and the engineers were just racing every fucking sprint. It was like like these, yeah. these sprints. Like I don't understand this sprint thing. It's like sprint after sprint after sprint. They just work you to the bone. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. work you to the bone and they're like, keep building, keep building. Yeah. You have to get as many points as possible. I got the least number of points every week, every two weeks for the entire time I was there. The entire time I was there. Mm-hmm. And I talked to the CTO and he's like, dude, you you get seven points a sprint, 15 points a sprint, and and uh, uh, Reina gets uh, 45 points every sprint. And you make twice as much as her. And I'm like, yeah, because I build the important stuff and I make sure it's built right and I work with product to make sure somebody's going to fucking use it. Right. I don't, I don't put my <clears throat> head down and just build whatever product says because product is talking to one user. You know, this was a right. very expensive this was a very expensive SaaS. It was like $3500 a month or something. So we had like three customers. And these mm-hmm. are hedge funds that are doing alternative data analysis and um we have three customers and one says, "Let's build this thing." And then we go and we fucking build it. And it's like we're listening to one customer and the CEO is not doing his job to stick to the vision and say, this is what everybody wants. We have to do serious product market fit analysis and figure out what everybody's going to want. We have to figure out one, you know, one killer feature that, that's going to work for everyone and get, just get it flawless. You just need one feature that's flawless that a couple people love and not try and convince right. one one customer to join based on one stupid feature that's going to take, I don't know what, six, eight, 12 weeks of yeah. um, engineering time. And some features can sound simple to product, but actually be, yeah, it's so simple. It's so simple. It's like, let's just, let's just do this. And it's like, if right. we can have a tighter coupling between the product and the engineering, then we can, then we can do a better job. One thing. And, so I read, uh, uh, I think it was like a month ago or two now, uh, Elon Musk's biography by Walter Isaacson came out, Yeah, which I like Walter Isaacson's biography out. Every biography I ever read by him is awesome. So I was excited about this one. But something I remember from the book is that during like the early days of SpaceX and Tesla, he had a lot of the like engineer engineers, not software engineers. Same idea though. But he had them literally sitting on the floor next to manufacturing. So when they made an engineering decision, the manufacturing engineers could be like, fuck no, that's horrible. That's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. So like that's kind of the same thing. It's like people – engineer needs – or product needs like a slap on the hand and engineer needs that push from product to be like, this is really good. Please think about it a little harder. Uh, Should we just have more yeah. concrete floors and like metal, metal – uh, uh, I don't know, robots to to, to, to – bring camaraderie between these, between these teams. Is that the answer? I don't know. I, mean, I think people just need to talk more, right? I think, but that's not yeah. the answer. You can't just say, go talk more. That's stupid. right. Right. Like, everybody's talking. There, there needs, there needs to be like a, water, you're talking about the game. It's like, why right. do people, why, I, I don't know. Just stop watching sports. How about that's the answer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, there just needs to be like an immediate feedback system. And like uh, everybody would benefit product would benefit from like honing their skills as product to like make better decisions that line with engineering and engineering can benefit because they're not getting like crazy features pushed that shouldn't be that hard. Right. I don't know if it's all that. I think it's just better incentives. I worked a top coder and like mm-hmm. we studied incentives in people and we just have to make the, which it's, it's just a really hard thing in a big company. I, you know, my role at MVP engineer, we build, we build minimum viable products for mm-hmm. essentialist entrepreneurs. And um, I work with the CEO. He's one guy in his garage. He hasn't hired legal. He hasn't hired marketing. He hasn't right. hired any. He hires me first. And I'm just the everything guy. I'm the little, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the train conductor. I'm the director. I'm the guy that says, we're building this. We're not building this. You know, you go to a dev shop and you say, these are my 10 features. And the dev shop says, ooh, 10 features. I love 10 features. How about right. 12? So I guess I can, just to clarify, it's an MVP engineer is kind of like a software agency to take a company's idea from zero to one. Exactly. That was cool. a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> you should be my marketing one. Yeah. Um, but what I do is they give me a list of 10 features and I say, slash these nine. We're not doing any of that. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to, I'm not building it. I don't want your goddamn money. Keep your money. We're not building it because we're going to build one. 
and we're going to get it right. And then we're going to go fucking sell it. And yeah. we're see what happens. And that's it. That's the whole business model. And I build MVPs for $16,000 that the competitors say is 87. And I do it without meeting. People charge 87 for an MVP? For my MVPs. I build Google every three months, sir. You build Google every three months? Like, think about, think about the MVP of Google, right? Like, search the Stanford yeah. Library mm-hmm. and do PageRank. Those are the MVPs. People ask for search engines? Wow. No, I, I don't actually build search engines. But the, the, the level of complexity of the Google MVP is what I'm building every three months, right? Like, okay. it's, not, it's not like a no-code, like, GPS thing. And, like, right. I don't even take, I don't take money from people that are like, ooh, I want to build a social network for music people. I'm like, no, you need a killer feature. You need to be innovating. If you don't, if you don't have something that I, that, I, that I can't talk about publicly because yeah. <laughs> it's so innovative, like, I'm not even going to take your work. I'm not mm-hmm. even going to do it. I don't want to build me two products. I scare these people away when they want to build a me two product. They're like, right. Like a social network for, or an Uber for, or a, yeah. If you have to, if you have to use, if you have to use a, uh, if you have to use a brand and then an industry or a Mm -hmm. brand, a brand and a country, fuck that. I'm not building, I'm not building Venmo for Africa guys. I'm not building TikTok. (laughs) I'm not building TikTok for Mexico. Thank you very much. Like, TikTok can hit the little Google Translate button and they're fine. Okay. Right. So, um, yeah. So let me go through one more of these and then I'll give you a pitch for the company that I'm really excited about today because it's, it's really interesting. Sure. Um, how companies are hurt by focusing performance without concern for character. You're talking about trust and, and performance. Do you, yeah. do you think that people's character really matters? What does that even mean? Because I haven't met a single person that works for me for mm-hmm. over 18 months, works for me or works with me. I don't meet them in person. I just, I don't care about their character. I don't care what they do. Right. So think, why do you, why does that matter? Does it matter when you're in person? It matters long term. It, it definitely matters more when you're in person. Okay. Uh, I think it just matters long term. I think if people... It's nothing that will kill morale faster than seeing the person that most people dislike get rewarded, right? For doing the things that, right? Like if you have a team of like 20 people and there's one guy that people don't like who's just stepping on everybody's toes to get to the next level and he gets promoted and then he's like boasting to everybody, everybody's going to be like, I fucking hate this team, right? Like, and like that's corrosive in, in the, like, the big picture. I don't think I've ever seen those problems. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I don't, I'm not, I don't think it's like incredibly common. However, there are systems in place to let those people through. That's fair. You know, there was a guy that like did really bad work with our team that was on a different team and he went for promotion and I blasted him on his performance review. Mm-hmm. And, um, it wasn't a it wasn't a personal grudge. He was a fine guy. He went out for drinks. He was happy. He was he had a wife and kids. Whatever. He's working for Google. Right. Fine. But he just did a piss poor job. He did he gave us really bad support. He was on the higher level of the um well, he was hardware and we were we were like firmware and software on it. And like the hardware just never worked. And I was like, how can you promote this guy if the hardware just doesn't work? Like right. we're his customer. He we're we're having trouble as the customer. I'm the customer and I have to mm-hmm. leave feedback. And my manager said to me, Hey, this system will reward him to the level that he's supposed to be rewarded to. And I said, Jim, I'm the system. Right. My, my review is the system because I can say whatever I want about any person. And I know a level three that's doing better than this level five. He's just smarter and sharper and just better. And he's like, you should take down the review. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, thanks. Um, so character. Yeah. But, but again, it wasn't a character thing. Like, I don't care. I don't care if that guy cheats on his wife. Who cares? It's not, it's not, my, it's not my business. It's not my problem. And, right. But he just does a bad Well, job. I don't think it's necessarily about what they do, like, outside of work. It's outside. more like if I, if I turn my back on this person, can I, like, can I depend on this person? What are they going to do when I'm not here? You call, that, you call that character, though? Yeah. 
I'd, I'd say like the, the largest displays of character are what somebody does when they don't have to perform for you and how, how they take you into consideration. So give me an example. What, he just doesn't fix a bug when you don't harass him? What does that mean? Like they're in a one-on-one with a manager and they are throwing somebody else under the bus in order to get the promotion they need. I don't know. I feel like that's I feel like that's a culture that might happen at Amazon. I just don't I I I don't know. You know, my mom's a lawyer and my mm-hmm. mom's obviously a woman and she had her own business and she said uh you know, I never experienced sexism as a teacher, as a lawyer. I never experienced it. Mm-hmm. And I said no that that's just not possible. Like maybe you didn't see it because you just didn't look for it or 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 recognize it when it existed. Right. And you just keep your head down and fucking grind and do do what you got to do. And you provide right. it for your family. And, and, you know, my mom had a very strong um, attitude of she has to make enough money to, to take care of the kids even if my father leaves. Right? Right. Um, so I don't know if it's like willful blindness, but I haven't seen that kind of stuff. Because I just – I don't think it's right. So I'm just like, hey, if it happens, it happens. And I'm going to ignore it. It's a little bit of the saying of, – of saying like – I take what I can control and I, 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 I do it. And and when I can't control, what, what is that? Well, how, how do you say that? One second. Let me think. Let me think for a second. It's like, put the stuff that you can control in one category. So be it. Put the stuff that you can't control in the other category. So be it. As long as you know what you can and can't control, you have right. complete understanding of the system and you do what you're supposed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I've, I can't control other people's bad character and I'm just like, well, if they're, if they're aiding me in my, in my goals of promotion or not even promotion, but just impact and getting shit done, then they're an ally. And if they're not, if they're on a competing team or not even competing team, but just like adjacent team that has different goals and, and running in a different direction, mm-hmm. so be it. They're not, they're not an ally. And they don't have to be an ally to be a friend. They just aren't going to help me with my goals. So I don't know. I don't really like this 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 discussion of character. I don't know. Maybe I have a bad character. I don't know. Because <laughs> a lot of people don't like working with me. But I feel like I get shit done. And I have the I right mean, I mean, to be fair, I don't think there is ever the... Like, there is no one way to do anything. There is just a way to do something, right? Like, there is... You can... You can run up a hill or you can scoot up it on your butt, but if you get to the top of the hill, like you're at the top of the hill, right? I yeah, guess like a good, I, my, a good engineer is the lazy one that that invents the wheel, right? Like yeah, the way I think about it a lot of times is like solving the problem in a different area of the stack. And a lot of times I think too globally, like for mm-hmm. for managers, and I say, hey, maybe we don't have to solve this algorithm problem. Maybe we'll just throw a second computer at it and think about how much money it would be to pay me for one week of uh, splitting this one for loop into two for loops to make it faster versus uh, spending an extra $8 a month on a second computer. Right. We don't have to optimize today because how many users do we have? We have 500 users. So throw a little bit of money at the problem because if you pay me for a week, it's $3,000. Like $3,000 or $8 a month. Like this is these are the decisions of a CTO, not of an engineer, because the the engineering managers just aren't. This is how I like to think about it. It's a fucking conversion rate. It's am I changing my dollars into euros? Am I changing my DevOps into engineering? Am I changing my hardware costs into algorithm costs? And these questions are very difficult for CTOs, which is why I think I do a pretty good job because I have a deep understanding of like all parts of the stack and I can do those conversions quickly and effectively. Um, so if you want to be a CTO and get promoted to the, that point or to the, to the higher levels, like those are the types of things that you have to understand because those are the business needs, right? Those are not the right. engineering needs because yeah, I mean, engineering is going to be around for a while, but like businesses will always be around. All right, That's so for sure. What... People always need problem solved. So, yeah, and looking to the past is not is not going to work 
well enough for these uh, LLMs and uh, chat GPTs of the world. <laughs> All right. So exponential cost of microservices. Talk to me. I think this just kind of lends into the, this is kind of like the, the, the opposite side of like the idea of like big tech thinking affects the small tech companies. The exponential cost of like microservices is when I like first learned software, I just learned like basic, like I learned C sharp in like Java and I learned some like ASP.net, not.net core, but it was just ASP.net. Um, and I know like, at that time, the way I thought about it was like, okay, so I'm going to build a system. I'm going to build it on one box. It's going to be a server, and it has a database. And, you know, you pass the data between memory on the computer. And if the computer's overloaded, then maybe you need two computers. That's a distributed system, I guess. However, like, people just reach for distributed systems off the jump. They're like, okay, we're going to have an entry point on a, like, on a Lambda, and then that's going to go over and call something on a containerized service. And that containerized service is going to call three different... Uh, like databases and like aggregate the data and then pass it back and then the land is going to return it and it's like this crazy thing from from the jump when they never even tried just considering like can we just do it on one computer because you know it's faster than passing data over the internet just passing it on RAM like why would we go on distributed systems and pass between all these like crazy cloud services when you could just have it all be on one machine operate way faster and I think people underestimate how much one computer can handle like you can you can vertically scale a computer instead of horizontally scaling these crazy systems a computer is a pretty powerful thing yeah <laughs> and they get pretty big and the data like separate the database from the from the mm -hmm. from the commodity hardware and then you're you're pretty set i completely agree i think vertically vertical scaling is like highly underrated right uh, and it's, it's, it's even easier nowadays like vertical scaling it's I think people just like are so scared of running into any scaling issues while the plane's flying that they just want to horizontally scale instead of vertically scale. Yeah, I hate it. Um, yeah, I try and only architect based on logical separation. And if there's a certain piece of information that needs to be separated, mm -hmm. or um, I did some I did some like spot instances. You know what a spot instance is? What's that called these days? Um, Preemptible. You know what that is? No. Well, Amazon used to have spot instances. I don't know what Amazon calls it these days, but Google calls it preemptible. So it's like a cheaper machine. It's like one-tenth the cost as long as you can say, hey, you can get a kill hmm. signal at any moment. Got it. Okay. So you're in the, you're in the like, um, you're in the, uh, the like overflow computing system, right? Like you're in the, you're in the, you're in the nice to haves. And then if somebody right. else comes in, if somebody else comes in and wants to pay full price at high at peak hours, then you get kicked out, right? Um, and that's how it's done in Borg. Like there's just priority levels. I don't right. know if you know what Borg is. What would you use Borg a spot instance for? Do you have like an example? I'm trying to give you one if you let me speak. Just like I'm just kidding. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so I built this product called the Unsubscribe Robot. I don't know if you ever looked at that on my on my on my LinkedIn or whatever, but um, so. It's kind of revolutionary the way it's the way it's done for a user, but uh, you're familiar with like uh, what's it called? Unroll me. Have you heard of Unroll me? It's like an no. email unsubscriber. It is. It's an email unsubscriber. Unroll me. You give it your Gmail username and password, and mm -hmm. then it, like analyzes all your emails and says, "Hey, you should unsubscribe from this one and this one." Right. That's sick. Um, it's sick. But it also reads every single one of your emails that you've ever written to grandma and your and your lover. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then it markets and then it resells that to marketers to say, hey, this person is interested in uh, in uh, pianos and ferns, right? And maybe people interested in pianos are interested in ferns. And if it's free, you're the customer. Like your data is the customer, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I created something called the unsubscribe robot. And the way it works is if you have a subscription that you don't like, you forward it to unsubscriberobot.gmail.com and you're done. That's it. I read the email in my simulated, uh, in, my, in, my text, in my text reader and I look for the right words. I click on the link in a simulated browser with Selenium. And Selenium, you know what Selenium is? Yeah, it's like a headless browser. 
yeah, what do you what would you use it for? Like browsing the web without an interface. Okay, well, you're more creative than most people. That's not the answer I was looking for. The answer I was looking for is I want to test my website to make sure that mm -hmm. this new update is uh, is still working. Right? But it's Python. And you can write intelligence into Python and not know what fucking website you're going to. Right. So I go to any random unsubscribe website and I look for the right words, I type in the right shit, and then I click the button. Because it's not for my website, it's for any website. But all mm -hmm. of these websites look very similar. Right. I don't know what they all look like, but they all look very similar. And uh, you go and you click through and you type in the email address and then you click on subscribe from all. Stop emailing me this bullshit. And then you, yeah. um, <laughs> and then you click go, right? So because of the headless browser timing and having to wait for page loads, it takes a really long time, but there's very little compute happening. Mm -hmm. So I just put it up on a preemptible instance and I have it run all day long. Um, so that's a good example of, of one because if it didn't unsubscribe, you just restart from the beginning. And I was like, right. this is a marketing project. I'm just doing it for free. So let me just let it, let it ride. But the thing is that was six years ago and I unsubscribed 30, 31,000 subscriptions. And that's a lot of fucking email because yeah. let me tell you something. It's not 31,000 emails. It's 31,000 subscriptions. And that's one email a week forever. Right. So now I'm uh, trying to monetize it and, and trying to sell it. Um, if you, there's the, a, there's a, uh, email unsubscriber called leave me alone that I think is a, uh, if you, if you want to take a look at one, like for an example, I will, let me, let me leave me alone. Soon. I think it's leave me alone.com. It's two, it's like a couple sailing the world has this email thing that makes them like 10 grand a month and they just piss off and do their own thing. So <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. I don't like doing my own thing. I like building shit and like, yeah, making I, I, I agree with that sentiment too. I don't think, you know, I spent a week on the beach and I, I left after like a day and a half. I was like, you know yeah. what? I can't sit on the beach. This is too much yeah. for me. I like, I like <laughs> sitting at home, working out, jumping in the ice, and then fucking grinding, grinding it out. So I've been building these MVPs for like 12 months. Mm -hmm. And um, then I went to Money 2020 in Vegas and it was the most productive week of my life. I don't know how you can be so productive in Vegas because... <laughs> I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna lose my mind and maybe get murdered. There's a lot of conventions there. Well, that's what I was at. There. That's what I was there yeah. for the convention. And um, I came across an MVP that just blew my mind. And this guy, he just built everything. He built mm -hmm. everything, and he, he's he's so bad at selling. I don't. I don't want to like throw my partner under the bus, but. I'm just like, this seems so easy to sell. How are you not, how are you not crushing this? So I said, I'm going to come on and I'm going to sell it. And we're going to, I'm going to be the CTO once, once we raise some money and once we make this happen, but let me sell mm -hmm. it to you. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to see how, how revolutionary it is. I sell it to a lot of people and people are like, what, what's the big deal? I don't get it. So let's try it with you. Sure. You're a merchant. You're at a farmer's market. You're selling handmade soap. I'm a client, I'm a customer, I come up to you, you have an, you have an iPhone, I have a credit card, and I tap my, my credit card against your iPhone, and the transaction is complete. It's like, uh... wait, so, so they just, there's no, the, your, your iPhone is the point of sale system. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that that's... With no extra hardware? No hardware. Uh, and I'm guessing it's just like a 3% fee, like every other payment processing transaction. 3.7. It's actually the best, most cheapest fee oh, that wow. you can have. Yeah, I think that's, that's a no-brainer. If, if it's a no-brainer. How yeah. is it not a no-brainer? I talk you to people. You need to take a whole point like, of sale system with you. They're like, hmm, should I do this? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. This is revolutionary. Um, and it's, it's done. 
It's built. Mm -hmm. We have it for iPhone. We have it for Android. We have it for – all you need is a, is a phone made in the last five years and a goddamn credit mm -hmm. card. That's it. That's crazy. You know, you know when, when – yeah, that's – I think it's huge. I think when, when you first started talking, I actually – the direction I thought you were going with the idea was like – you know how – I, I thought you were like gonna pitch like a third party logistics company for local suppliers at like farmers markets. Like you know how people can like drop ship like shit from China? Yeah. Um what about like drop shipping like you go up to your like local farmers market and be like, Hey Susie, you got awesome soaps, like can I sell them for you? And you like work out some supply and you'd be like, Hey Susie, we got fifty orders for soaps. I, I book them through TikTok, you get your cut, I get my cut. So it'd Maybe be like it'd be like up. drop shipping for marketers but well, like local stuff. I love that idea for you. Why don't you do that idea? It's a but, cool idea. I mean, the, this is this is like, but this is already built. It's done. We just have to. Yeah. We just have to get some people to pick it up. And uh, if you have a Stripe account, it takes five minutes to set it up. Right. Five. But without exaggeration, it's just like, how is this not everywhere? Or, or like. I need to get off this goddamn podcast and start selling it. But yeah. I don't know. As 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 a smart guy that that knows what he that 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 is in the startup world, where am I supposed to be selling this? Because here's here's my list. We got farmers markets, we got taxi cabs, we got restaurants, we got salons, we have uh, physical therapists, we have personal trainers. But I don't want to be selling to these people because they're one at a time. So I'm trying to go to the networks. And, and therapists was another good one. I'm trying to go to the networks that have 10,000 sole proprietors and then get the um, – get as a preferred, preferred provider by that, by that network and then uh, just get everybody to adopt it on that network, right? Right. Hmm. So now you're working for me, Liam. <laughs> what, do I, what do I do? What do I do? Teach me. So you're, you're, I guess you're just like looking where, where, like, where is the, where do you go fishing, right? Like you're just trying to find the pond. Yes, sir. Hmm. But it's kind of a wide. So like, what's the positioning of the product? Is it, is it positioned as like, you're a small business owner and this is like your pocket thing or is it positioned as like, we have we have the MVP. We're just right. we're trying to, we're trying to figure out where to position, right? Um, I listed off six six industries that that make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I really think we should be selling to merchants because right now it's a consumer app. You download this app right. and it's a consumer app. So it's tappay.ai, and we're revamping the website to make it more merchant focused. Because okay. right now the website is, is kind of not that good. But hopefully by the time somebody listens to this, uh, it'll be pretty killer. Because I'm taking over the, the messaging and the marketing and stuff. So yeah. I don't I don't I really don't know where I would Yeah, I know, I hear you. So how do you how do you get in the room with the decision makers of, of uh therapynotes.com or um or uh findmypersonaltrainer.com? Like Right, like, I have some clout on LinkedIn, but I, I'm right. still not, I'm still not huge, right? And uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's some obvious avenues, but I don't think they're lucrative. And, and the cold emails and obvious, I think cold emails an avenue. That's like the first one I always think of is like, how do I target people? Like, you could use a tool like Apollo to target them. I think there's a, a, Apollo, the name of the tool. Oh yeah. The, email the email cold email yeah i think yeah. there's also i think people underestimate reddit like you could you could generate a reddit account and go on communities for people who are like small-time merchants and just po post forever in the community and then don't even position it as an ad just like one day be like hey i've been using this app for like my thing guys like this thing is sick yeah yes yeah. yeah it's hard to generate that like that initial buzz but i think I think this is a product where like if it was genuinely like just just your phone and cheaper fees than everybody else, I think every business ever is like, how can I pay less fees? Like if I can just pay like a third Why of the percent. Do you not do you not believe me? 
Like, just tap on the phone? Why did you say genuinely, though? I just, like, emphasize, just tap on the phone. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have no, I believe you. Demo. The demo's on YouTube. It's, it's like, a 30-second 30, 30 demo. It's just, it's just glorious. Yeah. Um, we have 60 views, and every view that comes in, I get terrified. I get terrified because <laughs> I'm like, shit, somebody's going to go fucking build this against me. Because if um, we can prove that it's possible, yeah, somebody else is going to go build it, and fucking Chase is going to build it, right? Right. So, well, as soon as it's out, like it's out the bag, you know. I guess. Right. But Chase doesn't have it. Venmo doesn't have it. Square doesn't have it. I mean, the tagline is "Square without the square," right? Square um, the square. You like that? You like, I that? like that? It makes total like sense. That. Of course it does. It doesn't make sense to most people, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> most people are stupid. It sucks. But it is square without the square. Um, so let's see. Do you want to give a plug? Do you have anything going on that, that's not, uh, hey, go to Amazon.com and buy your, uh, buy your Christmas gifts? Anything other than that? I'd love to plug your stuff. Because um, uh, why don't you give your full name here so that we can look, look you up on LinkedIn? Sure. Full name is Liam O'Donnell. You can find me on LinkedIn at slash I'm Liam O'Donnell. So. Nice. Oh, I am Liam O'Donnell. Got it. I'm Liam O'Donnell. And that's two L's. Two L's, two N's. Two N's. Got it. Mm -hmm. Is your name William? Nope. Just Liam. Really? Close, though. Yeah. Although, I do have a mug that says William. Nice. <laughs> Um, yeah. because I, I had, you know, in the last like six months, I've had a little bit of an identity crisis and mm -hmm. I've been like trying to figure out what name I want to go by. And Liam, Liam came to the top, but like Liam's like a young guy's name and like almost. Yeah. It's, it's trending young. I know 2020, I think like the year 2020 was a uh, top baby name for boys I know. I in know. the U S I looked it up. They're going to be everywhere. They're everywhere. And yeah. I hate it. I don't like young people. They, they scare me because they have so mm -hmm. much more time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so hit me with your plug, and then I'll uh, sign us off. Sure. Uh, like I said, you can go find me on LinkedIn at slash I'm Liam O'Donnell. I also do YouTube videos that are not related to tech at all, if you want to go check them out. Uh, that is also slash I'm Liam O'Donnell. Uh, what are they related to? Now I'm interested. Uh, it's like philosophy. Philosophy? What's your philosophy? Mm -hmm. uh, every, like everything. I would just post in, like... I posted like daily or not, I'm sorry, not daily. I posted weekly for like a year straight. Um, and I, I recently shifted to focus more over to LinkedIn. Also, actually, while you're here, go check out my friends, my roommate's podcast, uh, The Lunchbox. And it's a uh, film that I live in. Your roommate doesn't get a, your roommate doesn't get a plug. Are you kidding me? Your roommate has to come on himself. So yeah, <laughs> what's your, what's I, I, your... I help film the podcast though. So it's, it's technically part All right, of something. That's, well, you're, well, now you're a filmographer. Yeah. Um, so who are you analyzing? Have you, have you analyzed a little bit of, uh, Rand? Do you like any Rand? Rand? Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. Who's Rand? Ayn Rand, uh, one of the most controversial novels of the 20th century, Atlas Shrugged. I've never read it. You've never read it? Have you read? I've never even heard of it. I'll, I'll start there. How can you have never heard of it? Wow. Look at you. I'll read it. I read. I, I read books. No, don't read. Don't read Atlas Shrugged. I. I don't know. It depends. It depends what you like. But read Anthem. Anthem okay. is ninety pages. Anthem is ninety pages. It's a novella, and um, it takes four hours. I read it in seventh grade and it changed my life. Anthem. So uh, Anthem. That's it. Anthem. Ayn Rand. It's like four dollars too, or it's free because okay. it's open. Yeah. It's open source. Um. So come back, read that, and then maybe we'll have you back on the pod at some point. Yeah, awesome. And we'll, we'll do uh, we'll do the the thing. Um, so uh, yeah, don't yeah. subscribe. <laughs> Stop listening to me, and go build your fucking company. That's fair. Thank you, William. Thank you, William. I had a good appreciate time it. Today. And uh, yeah, sorry for the shirtless stuff at the beginning, but you know sometimes it's fine. you're just you're, just you're gotta in the do ice bath. You yeah. got You got to do what you got to do. So I, I get the ice bath thing. Like it, it changes your day. Changes your life. It does. <laughs> nobody, nobody believes me. Nobody believes me. Yeah. But it seems crazy until you do it. 
Yeah. And 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 everybody's like, oh, I can't do it. I'm, t- I'm too cold. No, yeah. fuck you. Deal with it. All right, sir. Have a good night. Where? What? Uh, what part of the country are you in? Are you in? Uh, you're in, you're in California now. Yep. Los Angeles. Where's headquarters? Seattle, right? Culver. Oh, yeah, Seattle. But the office I'm at is in Culver, Culver City. City. Culver City. Culver City, California. Yep. It's in Los Angeles. All right, sir. Well, thank you for the time. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the record button and on the hour. <laughs>